Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, everybody, and welcome to the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network here on W2Mnet.com for now, maybe. I feel like we have this conversation at least once a year. Anyway, I'm your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Thank you for joining us once again. Um, before we go any further into the show, and I do my usual introductions, um, Tonight's episode of The Kickoff is dedicated to the memory of greatest of all teams, honorable mention, Gail Sayers. The former Chicago running back passed away earlier today at the age of 77. So uh, rest in peace, Mr. Sayers. Joining me, as per usual on this journey, the executive producer, the anchorman. No, I'm not calling you your... Your, 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 whatever chat gimmick nickname it is, <laughs> Eric Watkins. Remember a time where you could place a very large wager on a sure thing and not have to worry about losing? Pepperidge Farm remembers. The unprofessional, Jason Teasley. I'm here. And the Riz, Randy Isbell. Also, rest in peace to Animal from the Road Warriors. Well, this isn't my wrestling show, so I was going to save that for Monday. I'm not on your wrestling show, so I'm going to say it here. Well, then I'll make you a deal. (laughs) Go ahead. Hold on, Eric. I'll make you you a deal, Randy. Watch SmackDown and Raw this week, and you can be. That is way too much punishment to to have to talk to you for a couple more hours. No, thank you. (laughs) Fuck you very much, too. What were you saying, Eric? (laughs) I was going to say, well, why don't we fix that so he can be, but everything solved itself. The universe works in not so mysterious ways, specifically sitting through five hours of WWE television on occasion. Eh, Believe me, it feels like... Eh, Anywho. I mean, we can debate the mysterious ways thing based upon the conversations we've had about what's going on with me. <sighs> Fair. If our off-air conversations made air, we wouldn't have a show. We start tonight's yes, episode. We would, of the it would be called Black Irish. <laughs> no, that's apparently never happening. We start tonight's show the same way we always do. This is Studs and Duds. Eric, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I know who, I know where, I don't know why. All right. You know the who where my stud comes from, Navy. You know, that's or. Where. Yeah, that's the where. The who. Dalen Morris, quarterback, who came into the game. The why? Remember when I was debating about Are You Serious and I said I am not taking Navy after what happened against BYU? Try to warn you. Yeah, well, you should have also tried to encourage me into this because I was thinking, oh, maybe Navy with this spread, kind of tempting. Saw the score. They were down 24 nothing. I'm like, man, I'm glad I dodged that bullet. Next thing you know, they're coming back and winning. Thanks in major part to my stud, Dalen Morris. I swear, this team, do they have some sort of vendetta against me that I don't know about? Coach Neil Matalolo, 
I didn't do anything to you. Come on, man. This ain't fair. Randy. Stud. Stud. Aaron Jones, running back, Green Bay Packers, and my Twitter friend, the man went nuts on Sunday. 18 carries for 168 yards and two touchdowns. Also caught in, brought in four catches for 68 yards and another touchdown. 9.3 yards per carry. And the stat that was crazy to me, 104 yards after contact. And that 104 yards would have still put him third this week on the rushing list just behind Chubb and Connor. Dude killed it for the Packers. That offense is really good. I thought Connor had 104 even himself. The one I, know, I saw that, was like 105 that, or 106. I know Nick Chubb was 124. Well, let uh, me take a look. I can, I can verify. All right. Uh, while you're verifying, why, why don't you give us your stud as well? Uh, 106 was, was that? Connor's final number? Okay. Yeah. So my stud is a... Uh, player for the Rams that I have been high on, that I tout his his accolades anywhere that I go and try to own him in just about any fantasy league. And that's Tyler Higby. Um, five for uh, five receptions for 54 yards, but that isn't the, that the numbers that stands out. Five of those catches, three were touchdowns. So uh, he's got a really good repertoire with uh, golf. Um, he's a formidable uh, cog in that offense, and he will be going forward. Um, so, yeah, definitely what, prob- probably slowly sneaking up into the top five tight end range. Um, actually, I would currently, he's probably in about number three in the NFL uh, scoring tight end wise. Don't you mean rapport? Yeah, I was going to no, point that I out. No, I don't. I, I I mean, get the fuck on with the show so I can go to bed. Yeah, Eric, how dare you? Anyway, um, my my stud for the week is I'm going to show a little love hashtag for the brand as we tend to do on this show on occasion. My stud for the week is Harrison Bucker, kicker, Kansas City Chiefs. Bucker hit not one, not two, but three fifty plus yarders in a row. The first two didn't count, though. A 53-yarder gets called back because of illegal motion. A 58-yarder does not count because the Chargers took a timeout. Another 58-yarder puts the Los Angeles Chargers in the loss column as the Kansas City Chiefs move to 2-0 on the season. All right, Eric, we talked about the good. We have to balance it out with the bad. Who's your dud? All right. What do Vic Fangio, Kyle Shanahan, Pete Carroll, John Gruden, and Sean Payton all have in common? I know, I know, I know. They are all better than Adam Gase. Okay, what's something else they have in common? Not that that's a high bar. Uh, they they did not get picked for the mass Singer this year. Okay. Oh, pick me, teacher. I'm ever so smart. Okay. Harry, what else do they have in common? At least we know for now. I mean, it's it's right on the edge of my face, or at least it should have been. 
exactly as he strokes his beard on an audio podcast. None of those five coaches wore masks on the sidelines. The NFL, which so far has gone through two weeks without a single positive COVID test, sent out warnings and strongly worded letters saying, hey, respect the fucking rules if you want to keep playing. They didn't. So the NFL went, all right, fine. Hundred grand, hundred grand, hundred grand, hundred grand, hundred grand. And if that wasn't enough, not only are their pocketbooks lighter, all five teams were also fined a quarter mil apiece. Really, which people? For those of, <laughs> which for those of you do not wanting to do the math at home is a grand total of $1.75 million, hopefully to be donated to a COVID relief charity. You damn straight. If Andy Reid can wear a mask and get defogger, so can all of y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry. Andy Reid reminds me so much of Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. Fat guy in a little face covering. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, Randy, you're done for the week. Hold on. Hold on. I have a joke for you. You ready? Let's hear it. You know what happened in the second half of that game, right? Which game? My game? The one you're about to talk about. You know what happened in the second half? Dallas beat Atlanta like they trailed them 28-3 in a Super Bowl. <laughs> they, they really did. And I'm not just going to talk about the whole team. I'm going to focus on that one play that is going to be shown in every follies video that you will ever see on youtube and that is that onside kick where five falcons decided that they wanted to play kumbaya around a football that was slowly spinning around instead of pick the damn thing up i don't I still don't understand how nobody on the falcon special teams knows the rules for special teams in the nfl and how any of those special teams coaches or helpers or dan quinn have a job going into week three. I understand oh, I, I understand the pretense of you don't want to touch the ball before 10 yards because if you touch it, then it becomes live. But that's when the ball is coming in really fast. This was such a slow spinner chance of botching it for picking it up. So I just, it was astonishing. And I'm just mad because it cost me money because I picked the Falcons to win that game. And that was the reason I didn't win my pick'em. Bro! You, bro! Talk about the agony of defeat. Speaking of people who had rough uh, betting weeks this week, Jason, who in particular earned your dud? My dud goes to the play calling of the Patriots um, on the last drive of the game. Not so much the last drive, but the last play. Cam Newton had already scored twice from the one-yard line, running almost the exact same play with ease. Instead, they, they fucked the pooch and want to roll him out and from the one-yard line and cost themselves the game. They were set up for a win. I'm glad they lost. But they were set up for the win. Everything looked that way. And then they go away from the game plan that has been working for them all game, which is Cam Newton over left guard. 
It's simple. No, they they wanted to run him out around the corner where Seattle's defense was happily waiting to submarine him to end the game on a one-yard loss. So, yeah, um, mine is the play calling of the fourth on the last play of the game by the New England Patriots. Oh. You know, we have a long-standing theory on this show that there's a certain quarterback who used to reside in Washington with the Redacteds, and he's now a member of Minnesota, that if a game starts at a certain time on a Sunday, usually approximately 11, approximately 10 a, uh, excuse me, noon local, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, you're welcome, Randy, that he usually has pretty good games. My dud for the week is Kirk Cousins, who completed less than 50% of his passes and threw three interceptions in Minnesota's 28-11 to drubbing at the hands of the Phillip Rivers-led Indianapolis Colts. Yes, Randy. Uh, I saw a stat today that I think you would enjoy, Mr. Harry. Uh, did you know that yeah, Stephon Diggs had more total yards in week two than the entire Minnesota Vikings. Now, I like that. I did not know that, and it's fucking hilarious. Especially if you got him sitting on your bench in fantasy football. <laughs> yes, John! <laughs> Don't worry. We remedied that situation last night on the kickoff What's Your Fantasy. Some to some takeovers aren't so hostile, and they're necessary. I wonder if he ever changed it. <laughs> We're going to Tag, find out. Tag new lineup. That's this. <laughs> yeah, new lineup. Who this? You can listen to more of that on the kickoff. What's your fantasy? Available in the archives over on w2mnet.com. Chill. Yeah. All right, moving on. He's still uh, there. That that wraps us up for studs and duds for the week and moves us into our next segment. So that happened. And I kind of feel like I want to go first for this one because it's a marquee story. Mm, by all means. Ladies and gentlemen, some, well, mostly gentlemen, gentlemen on this show, maybe ladies listening, we don't know. Maybe Rachel listens sometimes, possibly. Doubtful. But possible. I mean, if you're listening, then we still need to get together for soccer to the max at some point. Continue. We had something happen for the first time in 15 years on Monday night. For the first time since December 2005, a Monday night football broadcast was simulcast on ABC. It is the 50th anniversary of Monday Night Football, and for the sake of that anniversary, they returned to the original home on ABC, if only for this week. I will say that I think the lack of content available elsewise because of the production shutdown probably enabled this to happen, maybe a little bit more likely than it would have been had production on television shows not shut down. But you have to admit, Eric, it was kind of nostalgic getting to see Monday Night Football back on a broadcast network again for the first time in 15 years. Not to mention they really made the most of it and did it justice wearing the gold jackets. I so commended them for that. 
Randy, what did you make of the Monday Night Football simulcast being back on network television? I think it's cool. I mean, obviously, as you said, they're just kind of making the best of a bad situation. And with with their normal TV shows not being able to get filmed and stuff, they're just trying to fill air. But, I mean, it was very cool to see Monday Night Football back where it should be on ABC, I think. And yes, they didn't show too many highlights of yet another Jets loss that, well, started the whole thing, Randy. So you didn't have to worry about that a whole bunch. Jason, your thoughts on Monday Night Football's return to broadcast television? I mean, I I, I thought it was nice. and I thought it was a nice, classy touch. I mean, I, I'm with Randy. I think ABC is where Monday Night Football belongs. Uh, not to... You know, ABC does own ESPN, so. But I, I feel that it, being on the major uh, broadcast network is the rightful place for Monday Night Football, and it was really nice to see uh, that again after su- such a long hiatus. I, the I'm, report. Go ahead, Harry, real quick. Yeah. The, the reports are that ESPN might be looking to get out of the Monday Night Football game after their contract expires next season. Um. Not so much ESPN getting out of it, but Disney trying to take it over to where they get in on the rotation, and that would result in bringing Monday Night Football back to ABC. They want in on the deal, and with the NFL contracts for television coming up and negotiations being made, Disney has been making some moves, so stay tuned for that one. So what you're saying is it's possible that come 2022, it might be back on network broadcast TV. Yes. Interesting. Stay tuned. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. Jason. So that happened. A lot of stuff happened. Um, And a lot of stuff. I mean, this was the week of the walking wounded. Um ton of ton of ton of injuries affecting a lot of key players across the the NFL most notably Randy's Jets uh, playing cheaply and taking out pretty much the entire San Francisco 49ers uh, team and still and still managing to lose after almost the entire starting lineup was injured so we do want Jets got hurt too you just don't know those players names yeah, uh, those those were the people that, that got hurt on the Jets were the um, hot dog vendors that they had to call out of the stands to play receiver. All they have left. Yeah. So most notably, I mean, a lot of key, a lot of big names went down. Uh, Nick Bosa had a torn ACL, and most of them were torn ACLs, uh, which is really weird because seeing one ACL during the season is. Uh, par for the course, but I think there was seven ace, torn ACLs this this week. Uh, you had Bosa, uh, uh, one that hit close to home with me. Saquon Barkley went down with the ACL. You had Christian McCaffrey out uh, about four weeks with a high ankle sprain. Um, let's see, uh, Drew Locke sprained AC joint. Uh, Kirtland Center torn ACL. Uh, Garoppolo's out three weeks with an ankle sprain. Bruce Irwin torn ACL. 
Uh, Devontae Adams, a hamstring. Tavon Young jacked up his knee. Uh, Malik Hooker for the Colts toward, <laughs> toward Achilles. I mean, this is like really the walking wounded. Uh, Moster with a sprained MCL. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna mention this this injury because it because uh, Randy's gonna go in depth on it a little bit more. I mean, uh, and Paris Campbell. I mean, this this was a week of injuries. I mean, really is the walking wounded in the NFL, and it goes to show that maybe not having a preseason kind of takes its effect on the product and the athletes involved. So, uh, Actually, I'm going to disagree with that, Jason, and here's why. Because I saw a stat on Facebook today that was shared, and it was in discussion about the injuries in the NFL, and it actually said that upon a traditional seasonal average through the preseason and week two in football, they still average about 25 torn ACLs between the preseason and week two. And so far this season, we're at 19. So we're actually under pace roll what we would be had we had an actual preseason. Yeah, but you got to also look in with preseason, typically – you don't go full contact. You're not going full speed. Your your key players are, you know, not taking on a full workload. They're acclimated into the system. They're eased into game game situations. They're not thrown out there and trying to adapt. Now, if you want to uh, go off that stat, let's take a look at go a little bit deeper. How many torn ACLs from the report you have are big name, high profile players? And I, honestly, I think that's why this year feels different is because they're such higher profile players that we're all taking notice. It's not the right guard from this team and uh, the backup defensive end from here. It, it especially with the age of fantasy how many fantasy teams got affected by all these injuries. So I think we're just we're noticing more this year. To be fair, the report that I have is more a average, not necessarily player-specific. Not to mention, you said that that average was 25, including from preseason through Week 2? Yes. So you're talking 25 over a course of six games. We're at 19 over a course of two. And so, you also got to factor in the practices and everything that comes along with those preseason games mm-hmm. and the wear and tear that goes on to the body during practices. So, yeah, you're comparing two games to six games as well as the conditioning, the OTAs, everything, preseason training camp, all of that factors into there, too. Bingo. So you're on you're on a shorting preseason uh, regiment training regiment. You're thrown into week one competitive play, going full tilt, and you're not eased into uh, the the full tilt of a full on game competitive play. 
you have that you have that buffer zone per se. Oh no, I'm not saying that it hasn't been especially hostile this year given the circumstances. I just feel like it's becoming a bigger deal because of the lack of preseason than maybe it would be in a traditional season. Now I, I, I'm all for I'm all for shortening the preseason, not eliminating it. I'll agree with that. I think at most two games, because in the first and the yeah. fourth game, most of the teams mm-hmm. don't play their major players much at all anyway. They just need a couple of games to get tuned up, and then they're ready to go. Bingo. All right, Eric. So, that happened. Hey, Nebraska. Be careful what you wish for. So, whereas you have schools like University of Houston who can't catch a break because their latest game was postponed again uh nebraska well with the big 10 being back they're saying hey we get to play football but the big 10 schedule came out yes it's going to be a different atmosphere but you're still playing ohio state right off the jump Good luck trying to compete, even starting at that point, for any sort of respectability this season. And what do I say about tempting the football gods? I mean, to be fair, it's Nebraska. They're going to get their ass whooped, basically, in the Big Ten anyway. Scott Frost should have stayed at Central Florida. Yeah, I definitely concur. Oh, memories of that game against Colorado. Hmm. Randy, so that happened. So uh, apparently, uh, doctors also need a preseason. As we had a <laughs> a weird situation happen in the the Chargers game right before kickoff, and, and you know it had been announced throughout the week. Tyra Taylor, you know, had some injured ribs. Comes to find out, some of them were cracked, and he was questionable to play. And it looked like he was going to play, and all of a sudden he wasn't. We had Justin Herbert out on the field, and there was no announcement. There was no understanding at the time because the Chargers had no clue either. They they come out after the game saying that Tyrod Taylor had suffered complications from an injection and had to be taken to the hospital to get looked at. Well, those complications was the fact that, that the doctor punctured the man's lung with the shot. That's quite the complication, I think. It's just baffling to me how all of this happened, and now poor Justin Herbert is thrown to the Wolves, plays really well for knowing he's going to play 10 seconds before the game starts, and everyone's like, oh, poor Tyrod Taylor, he's lost his job. I, I like the, the Chargers coach coming coming out saying no it's taylor's job we're not going to take his starting position away because our doctor took his lung away but it's just a weird situation with the chargers yeah what i've seen is when they first when when they announced uh herbert uh starting they just said that tyron taylor was having chest pains yeah And, and that was it it was very very nonchalant he's having chest pains you know, we're we're going to roll him out officially, roll him out for the game, and he stayed on the sideline. And then, come to find out, you know, he had a needle, he had a needle us uh, needle punctured lung, which you know, from medical field, it, it's 
depending on the gauge of the needle, there's an issue. Uh, and I, I, I can't understand why you would give an injection, any kind of injection. Uh, it, it baffles me because I've gave, I've had to do injections before and there's a specific spot where you give the injection if you're doing a chest cavity and it baffles me that this was even a, a, a an issue. So there's a, there's a single spot where you use specifically to avoid this exact thing from happening. Yeah. I mean, the body, the body's kind of mapped out for these things. And trust me, Jason, you weren't the only one baffled. I was explaining that to mom, and she's like, wait, how? Just, why? What? what? Huh? Yeah, it's between the second and third rib. Yeah, she had Apparently. some of the same questions that you did in hearing about that. Yeah, apparently nobody gave that particular doctor the memo. I'm just curious what kind of injection he was giving. I mean, was I, it a cortisone shot? I would assume some kind of painkiller to deal with the with to deal with the cracked ribs. Yeah, I mean, what, that would be a, that would be cortisone, but it I don't know. And if you, if he punctured the lung while doing the injection, that means he proceeded to inject the lung with cortisone, which is an even bigger issue. All right, so are we stopping at, oh, the doctor's going to be fired, or is there potential grievances or lawsuits coming? Because I think grievance at a minimum. I smell lawsuit from Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Nothing will happen. No, from what I've read, Tyrod Taylor has has come out saying it was an accident. He's, I mean, has no ill will towards it. But we'll see. I mean, but that's what he's saying so far. I'm sorry, but if a motherfucker stabs me in the lung, I'm suing his ass. Thank you. That'll be the luckiest thing that happens to him. Simple. I either sue or someone catches some hands, depending on if I'm uh, incapacitated or not. Like I was saying, I mean, there's a specific way to give that injection. And, I mean, it's easy to go too deep. But, you know, and, and you know, it is it is a, a thing that can happen. And, like I said, I mean, it's not life-threatening. But, I mean, you know, shit happens. Uh, but, you know, not- you, you got to... You got to know what you're doing, and it could have been a you know it could have been an issue of you know the as he was giving the injection, you know it was a spasm or something, and which caused the needle to go in further. It, it's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of parameters that come into come into play there. All right. The Tyrod Taylor. I'm just going to say real quick, this never happened to him in Buffalo. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's move on. We now go to our Mama Said Not Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
look, you had the whole off-air situation that I explained about, and she was right here even sitting in the chair next to me. She had made her pick, did not, specifically did not steal yours, Harry, went through everything, well, went through everything, but then, yeah, that's why we started a recording a lot later than usual. Alright, well, on the plus side of everything, though, our uh, I'm a Survivor Pool picks actually did something we haven't done in quite a while on this show. All of us were victorious last week. Currently, Harry, Eric, and Jason are on a, a two-game winning streak. Randy and Mama Watkins are on a one-game winning streak. Mama Watkins, I cede the floor to her. Eric, you can feel free to announce her pick once again. Because because of her performance, even with Herbert against Kansas City, and because even though that Bridgewater has had home moments, but they've been underwhelming, Carolina's been, Mama Watkins is officially saying, Go Chargers, go. <laughs> hey, Jason, you know what this means? Who's she rooting for? The Superchargers. <laughs> but the Los Angeles Superchargers. They need an updated version of that song. No. I would I would love for them to update that song. San Diego Superchargers. Super Randy, you're looking for two in a row. Your attempted jinx on the 49ers last week with the Jets did not work. Uh, depends on which way you look at it. I think I jinxed them okay, just fine. Not okay, in the fair. intended way. Um, so there is something, there is something I've said for years. Uh, I've said it on former football podcasts that have been on this network. I've said it to my friends and it's, you're going to hear it a lot here. Home team on Thursday night. It's not a guarantee, but it's it's big. No, it's not a guarantee because your jinx went from the team losing to damn it. Everybody gets hurt. Now we're going to be down our kicker. I apologize. Thanks, <laughs> I'm sorry, Eric, but I am taking Jacksonville. Here's some stats for you to back me up. The home teams have won nine of the last ten Thursday night games, two and zero oh this season since 2010. I'll let Eric look this up. I had some fun today. Miami is 0 and five as the road team on Thursday night since 2013. Jacksonville is four and zero as the home team on Thursday night. Home teams on Thursday nights. I'm taking it. Give me the Jaguars. This motherfucker uh, trying to steal my squid bits. <laughs> Are we doing full on gimmick infringement again? Because <laughs> damn here be some problems. <laughs> I was just about to say it. Listen, I, I had my English class got canceled today. I had an hour and a half to spare. I looked some shit up. God, I'm sorry, I'm lucky Bubba. I had this cookie. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Eric right. legit popped me with that, but oh, I'm okay. Jason, you're looking for three in a row here. You can't take Baltimore or Buffalo. Uh, so I'm actually going to take Pittsburgh this week. Against? I don't know who the fuck they're playing. You asked, me to, you asked me to fucking pick a team, not fucking pick the game. I pick a team. You know, I am the defending champ, so that's all that matters. 
he is nine weeks in a row last year to end the season. It's impressive if you think about it. Eric, you cannot take the, the, the San Diego Los Angeles Superchargers or the Arizona Cardinals, who are playing the Detroit Lions this weekend. Now I'm really tempted to change my pick because that's actually almost a sure thing. All right, go ahead. Who you got? Well, in a game that they, we may be teasing a little bit later, my dun, dun, dun. dramatic reverb. My strategy in the early season seems to be paying off. Get more of the low-hanging fruit that you don't want to pick later in the season, but something that's going to pay off. I have a feeling that after the last two weeks and everything's come out about certain, let's just say lines that even I wouldn't cross on a good day with some interest that people have, hashtag no king shaming. I think that now that things have started to settle in a little bit, and given their opponent, this is a very good pick. I am going for the Cleveland... Nope, not even going to... No, that doesn't work. The Browns against um, the football team. So, so what you're saying is they're going to unload on Washington's chest? Yes. Oh, yes. That, that seems legitimate. Mm-hmm. And somewhere Odell Beckham Jr. is smiling. Low-hanging fruit, ladies and gentlemen. All right, moving on. <laughs> I cannot call, pick my buff. They call those, they call those dingleberries. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well played, Jason. I cannot take my bills. I cannot take the Green Bay Packers. I am about to piss off a member of this panel. I don't care. Assuming the turf at MetLife Stadium doesn't try to reach up and destroy them for a second week in a row, the San Francisco 49ers will curb stomp the New York Giants this week. Don't see it happening. Sorry, Jason. You guys are getting blown out. Even with the 49er B squad. It's going to be a hell of a game between Danny Loose Change and who the hell is Nick Mullins. That's we, something we, we, forward to. Actually, we are not. We are not the Jets. We actually have starters that can make it through the game. Just not a starting running hurt. Sterling Shepard's hurt. Uh huh. Yeah, we still got. We still got our quarterback, who's been horrendously inconsistent this year. Go ahead, Randy. I, I was just gonna say, how much you guys think the forty the 49ers are? really thinking about faking a COVID test so they can cancel the game this week so they don't have to play on that field. Well, well, they are staying oh. in West Virginia. Did you see Armstead's tweet after last after last week's game? NFL, you need to step in and fix this, this what was it, this jank-ass turf? I think it was something along those lines. Well, they did. <laughs> they... They had the crew out there. They have inspected the field. No issues where he's... Yeah. Where, oh, and, uh, and the Steelers nothing. and Giants played on it the week before. And yeah, with no injuries. There will be further commenting about the MetLife crew a little bit later on in our news segment. Don't you worry about that. Uh, All right. If I'm around till then. Let's move on. We go to... I've got a question. And this will be an interesting start to I've got a question here because this will be the actual launch 
of the segment in full this year. I have a NFL question. I have a college football question. And I have a combination question. The randomizer has given the first choice to Eric. Ooh. Knowing the little hints that you've dropped, and for the sake of brevity and Jason's sanity for now, I will go ahead with the college question. The college question that I, the hint that I dropped was Pac-12. The question is, with the Pac-12 starting as late as they are, and there still being an attempt at a college football playoff planned, has the Pac-12 basically put themselves out of contention for the college football playoff this year? Eric? I'm honestly going to say yes. The reason why, look at the teams that really started. ACC, Big 12, and you got now coming up the SEC. Now the Big Ten said, you know what? We've got the data where everything, we've got the time in our season to give the coaches the training they need, still play eight games, and be wrapped up in time for the final selection. You even in the group of five have the MAC. They're now being set to vote. They're contemplating same start time, roughly as the Big Ten, October 24th, doing a six-game schedule. Meaningless for the playoff, but they're at least coming fashionably late to the party. Yes, and I know. Crowning. Okay. Right. Now, granted, the circumstances are much more extenuating for the Pac-12. I get that. But at the same time, knowing that you have certain green lights and certain capabilities, knowing how much things have changed, that they should have started on it sooner, at least to give themselves some measure of hope. I honestly think it's going to be easy, and the battle amongst the seating committee will be who gets to per se vote on what because of the necessary abstentions for bias and how the four conference champions are going to be seated. Let's get Jason involved here. Jason, do you think the Pac-12 is starting too late to be relevant in the college football playoff? Yes. Care to expand? No. Very well. He's falling asleep, people. We, we may end up losing him and having to announce his picks for him. We did get an awful late start to the show tonight, much later than anticipated. All right, Randy, you're the resident Pac-12 guy out there in Idaho. Well, here's the thing. I don't think the Pac-12 would have been relevant if the season went off without a hitch. As far as the playoffs are concerned. So I don't think it has anything to do with the late start. My issue with the college playoffs this year, I have no problem with the 14 playoffs and how that stuff works. It's a step in the right direction. They're slowly moving forward and from the BCS and going forward. I'm still surprised that college football, which shows that they need a uniformity, should have experimented this year. They should have taken a page out of the MLB book who went, you know what, we have a weird-ass year, so let's have eight teams in each each league make the playoffs. Let's do seven-inning doubleheaders because we know there's going to be tons of them. Let's just experiment and see what we can can get. Why college football has not come out with this ridiculous playoff format? Because I will tell you this, while the Pac-12 has started late and the Big Ten is starting late 
and you know the SEC is getting going and stuff. Just because they have set themselves up for an eight-game schedule doesn't mean they're going to play eight games. How many games have already been postponed we just, in the college football season? Yep. At least 20. Yeah, and we just had Notre Dame-Wake Forest, which for this series in ACC game postponed most likely to be rescheduled for the week before the ACC championship game. Exactly. And now you're going to have these conferences, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, giving them zero room for error in their schedule. So well, how, who, I, are you going, who are you going to pick to make a playoff? A team that goes 6-0 and and has two games canceled or a team that goes 7-2 and but got all their games in? It's going to be a mess, which is four. I think there's still enough time to get the season in, though, if we go all the way through December. Because let's not forget that, technically speaking, the college football playoffs wouldn't be until the beginning of January. The main end date, December 19th, the Mm -hmm. final selection for the playoff is December 20th. That's the window you're looking at. So we're just inside two months. And especially if you're in a conference like the Big Ten, or really just inside three months. But if, say three months. if you're a conference like the Big Ten, which has a uniqueness for their plus one in the fact that they're going to be equal cross-divisional matchups championship weekend, so every team gets that extra game, Randy's got a point. There's been rumblings, and what about, say, if any of those extra games could have been under consideration? There's been rumblings, there's groundswell of just for this year, expanding it to eight teams, then you evaluate again down the road. There's some credence there. If you're doing a one-off, like we saw in the NBA and in the NHL, along with Major League Baseball, why not do it for college football? Mark Emmert. Fuck you, Ben. Seriously. All right, real quick before we go any further, Jason, I'm off for offering you an opt out right here. Yeah, I'm, I got to get up extremely early, and this you, late this late start is is killing real, me. Real quick, why don't you go ahead and announce your are are you serious picks, and then we'll let you get out of here, and we'll continue the show from where we're at. All right, I am taking uh, to go against uh, Eric's pick earlier. I'm taking the Redskins plus, I think it's eight and a half. No, they're going to be the Redskins. I'm a a traditionalist. Um, Views and opinions to Jason Teasley do not reflect the rest of the W2M network in this instance. um, Owner be damned. Um. and I want to take the homer pick of WVU. I think they're getting, I think the last time I looked, uh, was six and a half. Oh, no, Washington was had... six and a half. I had it backwards. My dyslexia kick in. My uh, West Virginia is getting plus eight and a half uh, against Oklahoma State, which is coming off a Company have victory where they looked really sloppy and really bad. And Washington's getting six and a half against Cleveland. I think both teams, I think those are pretty two solid bets. All right. Who's your dick of the week? 
Uh, my dick of the week is the panel of the kickoff for not doing shit and winning and, and not losing and me losing money on our picks because because fuck we we can't go two two weeks in a row winning money. Well, I mean to be fair, we we're still <laughs> six and two as a collective though, so that we yeah, we got that going for it. Yeah, we're we're still six and two as a collective, but uh, my dick of the week's FanDuel for for uh, not letting us win two weeks in a row. <laughs> Talk to you next week, Jason. Go get All right, some rest. see you guys. All right, I'll I'll fill everybody in on plug post show afterwards. There, I just he, you can tell he's falling asleep in the chair while we're talking, and I know he has uh, I know he has a busy day at work tomorrow, so I didn't want to hold him on. Yeah, he's got to keep moving and shaking. <laughs> Randy, I will give you the opportunity to select here. Do you want the NFL question, or would you prefer the mixed question? Oh, let's just mix into it. Let's go both. It's funny you picked this because we actually kind of had this debate in the wrestling to, in the W2M Net Sports Group. Buy or sell, it is an unfair advantage for teams to be able to have fans when certain states are still not allowing them. No. I don't think it's unfair at all. Both teams have to... Yeah, absolutely sell. Both teams have to play in in that kind of a situation. It's weird for everyone. Even the, the teams that have fans in the stands... It's not like there's enough where they're making so much noise that they're a big factor. I mean, Dallas had the most with, with 20,000 fans in the stands. They're not going to make a, a ton of sound. And I'm sure Dallas is still piping in noise, which every team is doing. It's Every team is doing the best they can and having as many people there as possible determine on what their state is going through with all the COVID stuff and all the regulations and everything like that. So... You're definitely not going to tell one team, you can't have any fans because this state won't allow any. Or you're just not going to have fans all season long because there's a good chance Washington's not going to allow it the whole rest of the season. So I just get, I mean, for the states that are doing okay, obviously continue the social distancing and the six feet apart and everything. But those that are in states that are doing okay, allow some fans in get a little bit of revenue in. I don't think it's a big advantage to one home team because they had 10,000 people compared to one team that didn't have any. Eric, by yourself, the teams being allowed to have fans when others can't is an unfair advantage. I'm also going to sell because either way, you have, especially NFL players, they, as they get in their career, they're used to that typical game day experience. You know, you arrive at a certain time, you have whatever your pregame, your last bit of practice, then you go on the field, warm up, you're ready to go in front of 60, 70,000, 60, 70, 80,000 screaming fans every single week. They're a lot close to it. This is going to be weird just on different levels for everybody. I bet you a lot of these guys haven't played in front of 20,000 really since if high school, if at all, or even such sparse crowds. So that's something that they have to adjust to really either way. 
Plus, even though, yes, you had the whole, oh, there's 17,000 people in Kansas City, but they sound like 50. Mm, not necessarily. I didn't get that vibe. I didn't get any vibes from those at the Jerry World or even here in Jacksonville. So, it's different levels of weird that everybody's adjusting to. And on a side note, Vegas, they have announced no fans the entire season. I talked about this in the group chat. I stand by what I said. I think it's an unfair advantage. I think that there is an opportunity for your fan ba- for your fan base to be heard significantly in those games, even with the piped in noise. Seattle talked about it. The announcers talked about it on Sunday Night Football that the noise that they could pump in was only seventy decibels, but the noise that the attendance could make in that in that stadium could get all the way up to 120 at times. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like when you factor in the ambient noise that teams are allowed to use in addition to the fans that they could have in attendance, it gives an unfair advantage for extra noise. I 100% believe that. That being said so, is – wait, let me finish real quick. Go for it. Go, that, for it. go for it. That being said, I don't think that there's anything you can do about it based on the state regulations. I think it's going to be a situation of if these fan, these state teams that don't have fans want fans, they're going to have to talk to the, the, the states. They're going to have to work something out with the state that they're in in order to be able to be allowed access to having socially distanced fans with proper regulations because it's not something that the NFL is going to step in and regulate. We've learned many times already over the course of his tenure that Roger Goodell is not a hands-on commissioner. Go ahead, Randy. No, I, I was just going to say, do you think it's a disadvantage during a normal year that Seattle has more noise than, say, Jacksonville? Seattle just because the circumstances better, are different. Seattle has a better fan base than Jacksonville. Not just a better fan base, but with the construction of their stadium and how the sound bounces the way it does because of the traveling and the orientation of different surfaces... Yes, that's why they in Kansas City are competing neck and neck for the loudest stadium in the league. But technically, that is an advantage. And just because, I mean, with everything going on, you've lost that advantage this year. Is it is it disappointing? Of course. But everything is weird this year. And I still love the fact that even though we have no fans, Philadelphia still piped in booing for, for Wentz. Just... Thank you, Philadelphia, for continuing to be yourself. And thank you, Eagles, for somehow managing to fuck everything up for most of my NFL pickums, Motherfuckers. All right. Eric, you lead us off for the for the NFL question. Okay. Do you think that we reached a point where the players union steps in to protest all the injuries? I think we're getting close. Not entirely there yet, but close. The reason why I don't see it as really a lock is because look at what just happened over the past couple of years in getting this CBA. And the automatic argument there is, all right, yeah, the players got screwed over in a few different ways. Won't go into that in depth. But the owners will easily claim, well... You wanted less practices, we gave you that. You wanted less pads and stuff, we gave you that. 
we're, you're doing things and saying stuff about all this preseason. Well, look at exactly what happened. So, yes, while the circumstances are a little bit different, I think the Players Union doesn't quite have the argument based on recent history to where they would be able to be effective. I think the NFL has gotten way too ready to counter. Randy, same question. At some point this season, do we see the players' union stepping in on behalf of all the injuries? I don't. I think I'm with Eric. I, I just don't see it um, unless week three completely trumps week two, and it just keeps getting worse and worse yeah. to the point that I mean, girl. every team has lost a starting quarterback or running back or a couple wide receivers, a couple big defensive players. It's like, unless it gets that crazy, um, I, I just don't see it. I do like that the NFL this year has changed the IR, and I kind of hope they keep it that way, where you can put a player on the IR for just three weeks instead of them having to be out six weeks or the entire season. So I think they, they've taken enough steps, and I think everyone knew going in that there was a good chance that injuries might go up. And we saw it with baseball as well, just how weird this year is. But in the end, I think the players really wanted to play. They've done a fantastic job with zero cases here in the regular season. They've shown a commitment to play, and I don't think that's going to change just because injuries have went up a little bit to start the year. And that wraps up the debut of I've Got a Question for this official 2020 season. That's more of a traditional I've got a question format. We do one college question, one NFL question, and one mixed question. The first week we did it, we kind of ran short because the show was running long. It is a segment that we do trim down if we're running long on other segments like the so that happened. Tonight we had the opportunity to do a little bit more with I've got a question, plus I wanted to properly introduce you to the format, Randy. All right, we move on to pour one out for the homers. Jason isn't here to talk about the Giants, but that's okay because they lost anyway. <laughs> he already <laughs> he already made he already made his opinion known on what he thinks is going to happen with West Virginia this week. He feels like I think he actually said he thinks they not only cover they win outright against Oklahoma State because what was it Tulane or Tulsa last week for Oklahoma State? I know it was one of the T schools. It was Tulane. I think it was because... Tulsa. No, because uh, last week Oklahoma State played Tulsa. That's what I said. Was it Tulsa or Tulane? No, I was thinking about. Oh, I thought it was Tulsa. Talking, yeah, Tulsa. I thought. Never mind. West Virginia's game last week got canceled, I thought. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. that means the cookie is working. Continue. Okay, so, yeah. He feels like due to Oklahoma State's subpar performance against Tulsa, and I thought it was the Golden Hurricane, mm -hmm. that he feels like the Mountaineers are going to outright beat the Cowboys from OK State. Randy, you don't have a dog in the college football scape yet, but you do have the Jets, and, well, maybe you shouldn't. I don't feel like I have a dog in the NFL right now either. It's, it's getting rough. The fact that the Jets had two healthy wide receivers who I had never heard of playing in that game, just, yes. I mean, obviously the headlines are the 49ers injuries because those players are far better than what are on the Jets roster. But the Jets continue this ridiculousness of just 
having a piss poor roster to begin with and then losing any sign of talent period. Um, I feel so bad for Sam Darnold. I hate the fact that I cannot blame Adam Gase for this loss because what the hell are you going to do with that? The only thing that really upsets me and is disappointing is I bet I went all in on Chris Herndon and fantasy because who else is going to catch a football for the jets with everyone injured and the dude got five yards. It's just, this is going to be the season. It's, it's going to be fun. I'm going to owe Robert 70 stupid dollars because the jets can't stay. Can, healthy. Okay. Let the record state that you can say the word you were about to say there. You're more than welcome to, I'm waiting for you to drop your first one on the show. It, it, I, I'm going to make it worth it. It's not worth it for the Jets. It's not worth it for the Jets. No, no. Let him save it because the Jets could actually be doing both of us a favor here. Now, hear me out, Randy. You're going to fire Adam Gase at some point, at least you would hope. So you would want a new coach to come in, have oh, a little something God, to work I know where with. this is going. No, you might not. But you would want a new coach, right? It hasn't gone well so far with the new coaches we've gotten, but yes. Okay, if you were able to get a competent new coach, you would like that, right? Yes. Okay, sometimes with competent new coaches with different teams, they have done some sort of evaluation and see that there are tal- or there is a dearth of talent at a certain position. Say a position that could be filled via the draft say if you were bad enough to where you would get the number one pick in said draft now you see where i'm going but i like sam darnold but you wouldn't have to worry about a quarterback running from your team like the freaking roadrunner and wally coyote chasing him you wouldn't have to worry about that if you take Trevor Lawrence. We don't have I mean, to deal with that agony. You get another good quarterback, we both win. To, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, Trevor Lawrence has never seen ghosts. This is true. Not to mention, he's already had enough of the South. He's used to playing some games in cold weather. So I, I just want to throw this out there real quick because I have a name in mind. Eric was bringing up coaches. We all know Gaze is going to be gone by at least Black Monday. Who do you think is the next next Jets head coach? Eric, the I enemy. have an idea. Thank you. That's exactly who I thought. It's not going to happen because the Jets are stupid, but that's the man they need. Uh, hell, I, I would put better odds on him going to the Jets than a lot of the people wanting him here. Yeah, he, he, he makes sense since the Jets head coach, given that he played there. So, I can only welcome. hope. You're welcome, Randy. Hmm. It's that meld mine. Since Jason stepped off the podcast, I had to fill his spot. There. Oh, okay. That, that <laughs> All right. Um, you guys get the Colts this week. Any expectations? No. I, I re- honestly, oh. when the schedule when the schedule came out, that was the game I had marked down as the Jets' first win. I no longer think that because of all of the injuries, but I fi- I did not believe in Philip Rivers. He's not been playing that great, and I really thought 
that the Jazz could compete in that game, but with everything going on and just how abysmal they look, I don't see it. Uh, fun fact about the Indianapolis Colts. In their 28-11 to victory over the Minnesota Vikings this past Sunday, their kicker outscored the Vikings by himself, 14-11. to four, four field goals and two extra points for Rodrigo Blankenship. And it physically pains me to give a Georgia Bulldog any credit. Ah, them glasses looked just as good as they did when he was playing at Georgia. Many a times you could see the uh, All right, was- Eric. That, 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 no. I'm not letting you go on a pro Georgia soliloquy on this show. That's well, that. I, I, bad I, enough I have, it's bad enough I have to let you talk about the Hurricanes. Speaking <laughs> of which, speaking of which, you guys are coming off of a Saturday night football victory on ABC over Louisville to turn around and have another Saturday night football game against Florida State, who will be without head coach Mike Norvell, at least on the field. He might be in the press box. We don't know. No, the the way that they were saying that he's going to be just completely, like, remote, so I don't think he'd even be in the press box. So, um, to to Norvell, I understand everything going on. Verona, it's really legit. I hope your symptoms are mild, that nothing really catastrophic happens, and you get well soon. But I will say thank you. Somewhat because I was actually looking forward to pointing and laughing at you after we won this week on TV. Just because I haven't been able to do that with the Seminoles coaches in a while. Hmm. In addition, it is nationally broadcast time for the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of a loss to Tennessee this past Sunday, 33-30. to But it is a quick turnaround in a national broadcast on Thursday Night Football, as Randy mentioned earlier, when you guys play at home against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that's the thing. We only we already get just the one national broadcast a year. It's usually a Thursday night game, except normally, since the NFL and fans don't really like either franchise in a trash division, we're playing the Titans in this game. So, this is going to be an interesting twist. A doubly interesting twist because we're actually wearing all teal for this one. Alright, color confusion. I'm going to say this. For the fantastic performance that was Week 1 against Indy. For the still surprisingly good, equally as much until that last batted batted down interception, which still stings. Equally as good offensively, if not as good defensive performance against Tennessee. I think with Miami and their own short turnaround after the skittish, sometimes real highly inconsistent play that they've had the first couple weeks, it's a fairly safe bet we're going to start 2-1 and one and temporarily, no wait, it wouldn't be temporary because we, off. Oh. Fucking Tennessee could have had the lead in the AFC South. Just Eric is coming to the realization that even after even after a win tomorrow. No, I mean I guess technically after a win tomorrow, you would be the current leaders. No, wait, Tennessee's two and zero, aren't they? Yes, they're two and zero. We'd be two and one. Yeah. All right, Eric. Script flip. 
So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the weekend the SEC starts their season, so at least your primary collegiate team is going to be in action. Yes, I do have a secondary team, but unfortunately they don't start until the week before Halloween. We'll talk more about them once October nears and we actually get to Big Ten football. However, indeed, it is a noon p.m. kickoff on ESPN as the Gators head to Ole Miss to hop aboard the lane train, taking on Lane Kiffin and his Ole Miss running Rebels. (laughs) Are they still the running Rebels or are they just the Rebels? I feel like they're just the Rebels these days. Uh, No, uh, it was UNLV who were the running Rebels and then they changed. Ole Miss has always been the Rebels. Although that they is are due to change without soon. a flag now, they are rebels without a flag now. Yes, rebels without a flag, with a with a rebel without a cause at head coach. But uh, the name I've heard rumblings that that's at least being looked at to be changed. So something the to old keep Miss- on. So they they no longer want to be the old Miss racists. Good to know. Things change down there just a lot slower than in normal places. Yeah, we'll be talking a little bit more about this game later. <laughs> that evil laugh brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC, <laughs> an affiliate of Dun and Bradstreet. Well, since you said it, what's the rest? Nope, that's your gimmick. I don't fully infringe, I only partially. Oh, see, fair play. See, this is how it operates, Randy. Website and commercial coming soon. We still got to talk to Liz about... Oh, real quick, before we go any further, um, shout out to Liz Puglisi. Uh, best wishes to Nanny Puglisi, Angela Puglisi, her mother. She's in the hospital right now. We're sending our best. Our thoughts are with you and, the, and your mom, Liz. All right, go ahead, Eric. Continue. So now that we've got the college stuff out of the way, thinking back to on what's your fantasy, you had a little bit of bragging to do about your NFL quarterback. I mean, it's not just my quarterback, but the whole team. True, true. Uh, Allow me to officially properly introduce my favorite NFL team, shall I? You're... AFC East leading Buffalo Bills. Told y'all. I was on. I was with you right there. You're going to be hearing that a lot more this season. I just wish you weren't quite now because New England didn't cover. Damn fucked up. However, (laughs) what Eric is referring to about the bragging thing that I had from what's your fantasy uh, Randy, I have a question for you. Yes. Who is the NFL leader in passing yards? I'm going to guess it's not Sam Darnold. And I will guess that because you're bragging, it's some dude up in Buffalo. <laughs> the former Wyoming Cowboy turned Buffalo Bill, Josh Allen, leads the National Football League in passing yards after two weeks with 700 and. 29. And has has missed his target by 729 yards as well. 
I'm going to say he's the most accurate quarterback <laughs> in the NFL, just that he has the most yards. Well, at least 99% of the time, well, maybe 95% of the time, he can still hold on to the football. Our quarterbacks have never run into our offensive lineman's ass either. We have Fair. that going for us. Fair. We have that going Fair. for us. I got nothing to say. <laughs> at, um, least that, at least that man got us two AFC championship games in this century, so. This is true. Buffalo doesn't. I mean, Buffalo hasn't gotten out of wild card weekend since 1995, but that's neither here nor there. Exactly. I mean, hey, sometimes 10 to 3 just shows up on the clock. Mm. Three, the amount of wins Jacksonville is going to end up with this year. And hey, again, if the Jets end up with two, (laughs) that means we won't have to deal with Trevor Lawrence or Tabo Sweeney. We can move on to something else. All right, so the Bills actually have a very interesting game, and in my opinion, their biggest test of the season thus far this week, as we play host to the aforementioned Tyler Higby and the rest of the Los Angeles Rams. I'm nervous about this one, but history does kind of work to my favor here. And the reason I say that is something we've talked about many times on the show, and I know, Eric, you're going to dispute this, and you're more than welcome to because you brought up this point in the chat, and I'll allow you to bring it up on the show as well. Sure. This is this is a West Coast team coming to the East Coast for a 1 p.m. kickoff. Traditionally, West Coast teams do not do well with 1 p.m. kickoffs. The Rams might be a bit of an exception. Carson Wentz found that out the hard way. This past Sunday, Eric. Yeah, for some reason, the way McVeigh has in, has them practice, he is very. Practice. We're talking about practice. Continue. He has shown that he is great as far as making adjustments leading up to the game, and I think that's in a major part of why recently the Rams have been very successful playing in the Eastern time zone at a 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff. And something lives in the water with the NFC West because there has been more times, especially again lately, that Seattle's come up and done well and got those temporal upsets. So this is going to be a closer one than, say, if it was another team out West making the trip. Oh, no, I'm not saying that it's a uh, it's a good thing for Buffalo that we have to play the uh, NFC West this year. The NFC West might be the best division. I don't think there's a might about it. The NFC West is the best division in football. Um, San Francisco's 2-0. The Rams are 2-0. Arizona's 2-0. Or, yeah, no, Arizona's 1-1. Seattle's 2-0, though. I thought... Arizona's 1-1. No, Arizona is two and zero. I'm about to say they beat San Francisco's one and one. They're the one and one team. Yes, <laughs> I forgot Arizona beat San Francisco week one. So Arizona, the Rams, and Seattle were all two and zero. San Francisco's one and one. Who had that on their standings after week two? <laughs> Regardless, um, so this is probably the worst possible season for us in the AFC East to draw the NFC West. Yes, but. I feel a little bit more comfortable with the knowledge of my team having the options that we have. And I really look forward to seeing what Jalen Ramsey is going to do lined up against, uh, against Stefan Diggs. 
So, Harry, I, I got a question for you. Just looking at your Bills schedule, mm-hmm. next four weeks, home against the Rams, at the Raiders, at the Titans, home to the Chiefs on Thursday night. Would you be upset if Buffalo goes 2-2 two and two in those four weeks? Not at all. I think two and two would be. Uh, I think two and two would be probably best case scenario given the quality of the teams. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, think I agree with you. I think the Tennessee game is eminently winnable, despite the fact that it's in Tennessee. Because the last two times we played Tennessee, we've beaten them. I have a friend of mine, Tom John, who is a diehard Titans fan, and we are planning on getting together, making some steaks, and watching that game. I have a couple of friends who were Las Vegas, Oakland turned Las Vegas Raider fans. The Raiders are much improved. I do think the Bills are a better team than the Raiders, though. The Rams worry me, and for as much shit as I've talked, let's be real, despite the fact that the game is in Buffalo, never count out Kansas City anywhere they're playing. Two and two would be perfectly acceptable to be four and two coming out of this and through arguably the toughest portion of our schedule with that four-game stretch. We've officially poured one out for the homers, and now it's time for me to ask my favorite question that I ask every week here on the show. You serious? We already heard Jason's picks. Jason is picking West Virginia plus, I think he said eight and a half against Oklahoma State. And he is picking Washington, the redacted, plus six and a half at Cleveland. Or is that number still at seven? I saw six and a half last I looked. Yeah, I don't think there's been enough money on Cleveland to push it to that key number. It doesn't matter. It'll be different by the time we get to the game time. All of my numbers are going to go down and screw me over. ESPN has it at seven. Speaking of numbers from last week, um, only one That's person not... won a game. Okay, can we just only... move on from last week? We don't need to talk about last week. Only one person won a game last week. Eric, I'm hitting 75% of my upset picks straight up. No, oh, shut up, you're sharp. <laughs> However, I did kind of tease this when we were talking to Jason as he was leaving. Nobody is under 500 against the spread so far this year. We are a combined 10 and 6, 63% against the spread, which is better than Vegas Sharp number. Yeah. If only some of my teams didn't choke, I could easily be 2 and 2 straight up. Easily. Yeah, we talked we talked about that off air as well. Eric's 0-4 straight up, but realistically speaking, given what happened with um Given what happened with Jacksonville against Tennessee last this past week and South Alabama against Tulane in week one of our college football predictions, Eric legitimately should be two and two straight up. Yeah. Randy Jaguars. straight up. Hmm. Randy is two and two straight up. However, this week was not kind to him as North Texas no. took one on the chin from SMU. If if North Texas could have played the first half, I could have won that, I think. North Texas played pretty well in the second half. From yeah, what I saw, about, I stopped watching because the game was so bad. But We actually talked about that off-air. North Texas mm-hmm. actually covered in the second half. They were only outscored 31-28. to 28. The yeah. problem is that they were outscored 35-10 to 10 in the first half, or 35-7 to 7 in the first half. Yeah, the and, then, and then I got cousined. 
in the in the NFL, and that went really well. So both of my picks were garbage. <laughs> That's putting it politely. Let's hope you can turn things around this week. Hey, Randy, are you serious? Which one do you want first, college or NFL? Let's do college. All right. So I went with a theme with my picks. Uh, on our survivor pool, I took the Jaguars on Thursday night. And I figured, why not do that for college? So I am taking the South Alabama Jaguars, who are getting plus seven, uh, to beat UAB, who lost their quarterback for the week to a non-throwing shoulder injury. They have a freshman going on Thursday. And yes, South Alabama also has a new starting quarterback, but the kid has played in both games so far, has looked really good. Eric is going to have a better chance of saying this guy's last name is Chance Levertich. I'd have to look back. Levertich. It's Levertich. Levertich. 18 of 29 for 247 and a couple touchdowns against Tulane when he came in under relief. 13th best in the nation with 9.7 yards per pass attempt. I'm worried about the defense for the Jaguars. They were really, really, really bad last year. Scoring-wise, they've improved so far, but they're still giving up a lot of yards per game. I'm hoping with, I would say shorter week, but both of these teams love to play on Thursday. I'm getting a touchdown at home. Give me the Jaguars, and I hope to double up there. Um, lover titch, right, Eric? Yeah, I was still looking. My page froze. All right, well, while he's still looking for that, why don't we go to your National Football League pick, Randy? I hate my National Football League pick. You guys took all the decent ones. This week, I think, is really hard to pick underdogs as far as the spreads go. I think a lot of favorites are going to dominate. Uh, you guys both took ones I was interested in, especially Harry. That was the one I had penciled in until I looked at the sheet. Um, but I'm going to hope that the blow-up by Atlanta has a little bit of a lingering effect. I don't want them to bounce back. So I hate to say this, but I'm going to put just enough trust in Mitch Trubisky who looked really good in the first half against the Giants, looked really good in the second half against the Lions. I'm hoping that he can put it all together against Atlanta, who can't finish off a game. Give me the plus three and the Bears, and I'm not confident at all. He's officially picked the Bears. The <laughs> Bears. Um... I'm I'm a little disappointed that you didn't pick Miami against the spread against Jacksonville just to continue your Thursday night theme. The spread wasn't big enough, or it would, I, I mean, I could have got one out of it. It's like three, isn't it? Yeah, it's three. And and it no, just wasn't. It wasn't enough. You would have pushed at best. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick reminder again: West Virginia and Washington for Jason. If he's planning on betting these, I'm just giving him a heads up. And Randy, you complained about not getting your pick in in time. I had already taken your game. Well, it's funny that you say that considering it was your idea to do the document and you were the last one to pick games. Listen, my phone would not load the document and I was nowhere near a computer. I, it is now set on my, my phone now that I was able to log in correctly. And that's what I like. I'm very happy we went to the Google Sheet. Listen, 
for anybody that's listening, you have no idea how confusing our system is on Sunday <laughs> as we're all watching games and we're all overreacting to stuff. And and I'm not singling anyone out because all four of us do it. But yeah. we're throwing studs and duds, and so that happens out every 10 minutes to the fact that we probably missed some really good studs because somebody claimed them at 10.30 in the morning, well, on my end, and then in the afternoon games changed it, and we just forgot that that is up in the air again. So I'm like, let's just get a Google Doc, please, because I don't want to do what a former cast member of this podcast used to do, and if it's all out there in the open, I can, I can see what you guys picked and go around it. It's just... I mean, t- to be fair, I nobody blame technology. Picked, to be fair, nobody picked 417 yards and four touchdown passes. This is their stud this week. Yeah, but I mean, I picked my Twitter friend. So one of the few followers I have is Aaron Jones. So I'm going to give all the love to that man. Not to mention, I mean, I wasn't going to entirely pick all NFL stuff, and I'm glad that I didn't after that fiasco. So, yeah. Uh, mm. This quick reminder that we cannot be bought. We can, however, be rented. All right, Eric. Have you found Have you found the South Alabama quarterback's name? Yes, it is indeed Lovertich, spelled fairly phonetically, thankfully. L-O-V-E-R-T-I-C-H. I remember watching him in the game against Tulane when they choked that lead away in the fourth quarter. Sorry, Eric. <sighs> Again, betting on Jaguars. I gotta not do that too often. Yeah, speaking of other teams you shouldn't bet against, Segway. Okay. Not, not sure if that was planned or not, but it worked out perfectly. Yes, it did. And you're welcome. Okay, now, Randy, back me up on defusing this situation, okay? I got your back. He's a Gator fan. But the Gators are playing Ole Miss as I'm getting the Tets tear through the screen. Now, you were pretty familiar with Lane Kiffin, as am I. And you know, especially starting at Florida Atlantic, when the lane train rolls into places, success usually comes at least somewhat swiftly. Yes, I, I will back you up on that. Okay, so would it be wrong of me, given the circumstances for this year, looking at both teams, looking at all of the changes and adjustments, both in the offseason and to this delayed start of the season it is not reasonable to bet Ole Miss plus 14 and a half no for one I don't think it's unreasonable and two I think it is confusing why Harry is upset by your pick Harry you just announced Eric's straight up record on his picks, right? You yeah, want but... him to take Ole Miss so Florida can win the game. Oh, come on. But we need an impressive, we need an impressive win in order to impress the pollsters in this short season. I'm telling, really, 
as all win win. We're not going to get you, two SEC teams in. Come on. Just go ahead and how... win your deal. I mean, Eric beat me to it, but you know how you impress the pollsters. When you, the put SEC. An S- you put an SEC sticker on your helmet. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. Let's go 2.0 when it comes to that. Hey, no, I, we're I, not disparaging the entire playoff. It's just the SEC bias. All right, let's move on. Speaking of games that people would be pissed off if they were still on the show, so um, Randy mentions the Google, the Google Sheets that we did, and I tried to get him to do a Google Doc, which would have been so much easier, but he went with Google Sheets instead. Whatever. I had to download another app, whatever. In the process of making that bet, in the process of making that format, originally Jason picked Tampa Bay against – who the fuck is Tampa? Denver. Tampa Bay was a six-point favorite. Uh, That's a no. Jason then tried to put this game in as his second pick. And, Eric, do you remember what I put in the uh, Google Sheet after he did that? Those two lovely words, negative squirrel. Because Eric had already taken this game. Eric? I mean, okay... Yes, with the injuries. Yes, with the turf. Yes, with Danny Loose change under center. You kind of helped yourself and did yourself a favor with getting Devontae Freeman. A decent move, a stopgap for what have you in the backfield. The Niners are already banged up. They've already put out there they're nervous and are still nervous about the turf at MetLife. So with... What the Giants have done, especially the fact that they could have beaten Chicago on the last play, again, it's another one of those where I feel it's reasonable taking the Giants plus four and a half at home. It's Aww, been that Eric. weird of a year. <laughs> it's adorable that you're thinking you're getting four and a half. It's already down to four. See? See? I put it out there. I manifested it in the universe. And now people are listening. So, I have a battle of ranked teams for my college pick. Uh, Been there, won that, whatever. As number 22 goes to number 14. And number 14 is a 14-point favorite. What? Give me the Black Knights, or the Cadets, call them what you will, of Army over Cincinnati. And for my National Football League pick, Randy, sorry that I'm not sorry. There is literally no reason for this game to be this high of a spread, even though it's in Baltimore. They say home is worth three and a half. Well, three. Well, that's the, that's the advantage that Baltimore has against Kansas City. But Kansas City's winning this game straight up, so it's not going to matter. I'll take the Chiefs plus three and a half at Baltimore. Well, you're going to get the pick wrong, so that's fine. I don't know about this one. Uh, Harry and I were talking about it. I think this is a winning bet. The Ravens are 0-2 against Patrick Mahomes. It's about to be 0-3. Not to mention Mahomes is, if I remember correctly, 9-0 in the month of September. 
Listen, you're only going to get it wrong because you put it down before I could, so I'm bitter. So go Ravens. That's cool. I'll be chilling with my homies, and we'll pick up the W. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be chilling with Robert Taylor while he, he, <laughs> he, he just loses his Robert mind if, the entire you know, game. You want to talk, talk to Robert if Baltimore wins this game? I sure as fuck don't. Oh, that's the best time to talk to Robert. <laughs> Kind of like how former executive producers were silent until the comeback one Sunday. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. Called out, Garmer. I, I, I have not. I have not seen a me. single message from him about his Dallas Stars tonight either. Okay, are they getting smoked by Tampa Bay? They, they, they lost. They lost five two tonight. Not <laughs> a single word from him, and we get a message about Dallas every game, but they lose. Nothing. Oh, no. He did say specifically, oh, I, this is just to show you that I'll message even when my team loses. Also, if you listen to this podcast and you take Stephen, Stephen, I don't know why I said Stephen. If you take Stephon Diggs out of your starting lineup on Sunday, consider us no longer friends. I, I'm about to say, were you almost subliminally trying to channel the chair? I mean, if we're going back to... The ghost oh, of old God characters. Damn, dare you? <laughs> you want to end up being my dick of the week? Walk and keep it up. <laughs> Speaking of which, you have been listening. Segway. You have been listening to the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services we're going to do the outros after we do dick of the week it just makes more sense that way um pod being cast box stitcher spreaker iheart radio itunes hey eric guess what spotify is here randy who's your dick of the week uh it's got to be chris herndon man i talked about it fucked up my whole fantasy week I, I bet on him big as a tight end on a bunch of my fantasy leagues. Point five points. What a dick. Eric, who's your dick of the week? I, I got a couple. I'm starting with Josh McDaniels for that last play call because, again, cost me money. I'm also looking at uh, McCarthy in Dallas for orchestrating that second half to a point. Creating a score gummy, but I failed to cover, so another dick of the week. And my eternal dick of the week, as long as he still has a job in Jacksonville, Mark Lamping. So much damn money. <laughs> the crew at MetLife Stadium is my dick of the week. And not to the grounds crew... The medical staff at MetLife Stadium, because the San Francisco 49ers suffered so many injuries, the MRI machine broke. <laughs> Why? No, did I hear that story wrong? I thought it was the truck bringing the MRI machine broke down. I thought it was the truck that broke down, not the MRI the machine. actual machine broke. Just... I remember hearing that story on the radio the other day. It's fantastic. It's just how weird that week was. 
Jason can be found on Twitter at W2M Chairman. In addition, you can find him on Facebook, Jason Teasley. If you try to reach him on his other Twitter at Turkaglue822, he'll probably tell you to go fuck yourself. I think I did him justice with that. Eric, where can people find you online? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Squid Sportshead. And uh, while we're on the subject of football, my other football team down in Australia, huge win. Last game of the home and away season, we're playing finals, so if they're on at a decent time, you can catch me live tweeting them. But if you don't want to hear my attempts at the Australian slang, you can also reach out to me on Facebook. Look under my name, Eric Watkins. You know the routine. Cartoon, gear, recliner, wine, laundry, yada, yada, yada. And naturally, if you're missing something special in your life, and you may have heard of my adventures in seediness and other crazy events. You can slide into my DMs, undergo a thorough vetting process, and if you go through and succeed in that process, you will get access to my Snapchat, WhatsApp, Dark Twitter, Telegram, where, yes, I am known as a philosophical hammer. Harry's going to call me that one of these days. And naturally, of course, well, also, this plug also brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC, affiliated with Dun & Bradstreet, website and commercial coming soon. I'll make you a deal, Watkins. Episode 138. Deal. <laughs> you know why, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. The sequel. It, it, uh, pretty much. Randy, where can people find you online? He's trying to figure out what the hell we're talking about. I, I don't know the inside baseball of that, and I don't think I want to. Uh, uh, so, uh, well, real quick, anybody who's listening to the archives knows, episode 69 went off the rails real fast. Oh, no, I okay. never put okay. in the rails. I get the math. Yeah. I get the math. So this would be episode it. 69, part two, episode 138. I like it. I like it. Uh, you can find me at Randy Isbell on Twitter. Also check out my other podcast, Chapter Select. You can find that Twitter at app chapter underscore select. And hopefully, maybe soon, you can hear me on the LCSC radio network. I'm uh, meeting with the radio heads on Friday for maybe getting a weekly show there as far as a college credit. And I will let you guys know how that goes. Yeah, if you get that show and it's a call-in show, be prepared. I, I will be prepared. I'm at H-E-B the Eagle on pretty much any social media that exists with the exception of Snapchat because I'm not 13. Neither am I, and Snapchat is actually a quite of a wonderland. I'm telling you. I am willing to state for the record that I would take an Alistair Black ass whooping for a shot at Zelina Vega, though. I don't give a damn what Jason Teasley thinks. Worth it. HCB Eagle on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's also my email at Yahoo if you guys want to shoot me a line there. I am actually also Facebook.com backslash HCB the Eagle, too, so I got that going for me as well. For the absent unprofessional, God, that joke writes itself. <laughs> the anchor man and the Riz. I'm the voice of reason. You have been listening to the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network. <laughs>